returning to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. I want you to open your Bible there. We'll be reading a couple of short scriptures tonight from different places to make the context and what we're preaching on. And I trust as you turn and read with me that you pray as well that the Lord will continue to minister and bless through his word. I think there's a wee echo of this here, Sharon, if you can turn it down a little bit. Thank you very much. Turn your Bible, if you haven't, if you have, to Matthew chapter 24, and just keep it open there, please. There is no doubt that we have before us tonight for consideration what is by far, and I mean by far, the greatest prophecy and scriptural sign that the end of all things are near. Now, if I were to go down through this congregation tonight or ask the ordinary man or woman what you thought the major signs of the Lord's coming were, I have no doubt that I would get many answers. I have no doubt that you'd quote some of these scriptures in Matthew 24, where Jesus says there'll be famines. 720 million people last night went to bed hungry on the planet. Many of them had no bed to go to. 720 million. Somebody then might say earthquakes. Well, 200, in the last 200 days, there has been unprecedented, it has been unprecedented with the amount of earthquakes and the intensity of them. Pestilences. Well, the world, the world's in the midst of an awesome pestilence at the minute. It's a plague. It's a pestilence. That's what the Word of God calls it. And then some would say immorality and infidelity and uh, idolatry. Of course, that's rampant. And then there's be those that would say it's the disasters in the world. There's been 150 major disasters in the world since lockdown. And others would talk about the dictator in Europe, the Antichrist, and I believe he's alive. And they would say the dictator in Europe is about to rise, and you would be right. And others would talk about the disturbances in the Middle East, and on and on we, on and on we could go. Those are all end-time signs that are before us in the papers and in the news every day. But I'm convinced that there would be few people that would hit the main sign of our Lord's returning soon. And that is deception in the church. It's not the clearest sign for reasons, but it's the most principal sign. I rang my bank the other day, not to take out money for I haven't got very much money, but I rang the bank the other day and I was treated, first of all, with a warning about scams. Watch and guard your savings, your hard-earned savings, at sea. And we have scammed Northern Ireland, we have scammed Europe, we have scammed Ireland, we have scams everywhere. Watch out, they're telling us, for the fake banknotes. Watch out for the fake jewellery and the watches coming up to Christmas. 
And of course, I don't have to tell you about the fake news. We've been at the end of that ourselves before, not so long ago. But there's fake news. But what about fake prophets? What about fake preachers? What about the wolves and sheep's clothing that our Lord Jesus tells us about? What about the, angel, the angels of light that Paul tells us about? What about the false preachers and the false prophets in our churches, in our pulpits, and in our denominations? How often you hear messages preached on these major signs. How often you hear about the Antichrist and the chip and the cashless society and on and on it goes. And I think if I were announcing something like that, that we wouldn't have room for you for these people here tonight. I had a text from a man the other night saying in the twelve at one o'clock in the morning, the euro the euro the, the euro is collapsing. China's ready to move. All these things, my friend, they are signs of the end times. And the devil doesn't mind us talking about global warming or global warnings. Doesn't mind us talking about that at all. He doesn't mind us talking about the tornadoes or the earthquakes or the fossil fuels or the emissions. He doesn't mind us doing that at all. I heard a fellow saying over in Glasgow, do you know what one of those charlatans over there said? Do you know what he said? He said, I saw the picture of a young polar bear trapped in the Arctic crying because it had no ice to walk on. Well, just like a shot, it came to my mind. What about the half a million babies? What about the half a million babies that cried and were butchered in their mother's womb in one year? Our priorities are all wrong. The the reason that we hear little or nothing about scam, fraudsters, and liars, and Peter calls them that, and Jesus calls them that, is because Satan, it's Satan's number one weapon to destroy the word, to destroy the gospel, and to destroy the church. My friend, the devil is not, the devil and his ministers are not holding a summit to save the world. The devil knows very well that he cannot save the planet. He knows more than them boys knew in Glasgow. They're trying to save something that God's going to destroy. And you can't save something that God's going to destroy. And Peter will tell us this in the next week or two when we get to it. It's going to be burnt up. The elements are going to be burnt up. And people say, will it be an atomic bomb? I don't know where the fire will come from, but God's never at a loss to send fire. He can send it up. He can send it down. He can send it from where he likes. But it's going to be burnt up. That old carriers and houses of yours and everything else will be burnt up one day. They're all tempered things that are going. The devil doesn't mind that. The devil wants to destroy the word. He wants to destroy the gospel. He wants to destroy the great truths that we preach. Because deception is the name of the devil. The devil's a liar. John says, the great dragon, that old serpent, the devil, the Satan, deceiveth the whole world. The whole world lieth in the lap of the wicked one. Jesus said, if it's possible, he'll deceive the very elect. 
My friend, there's an enemy tonight and he's a deceptive enemy and he's a, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And he's around us and we can't see him and he's in our pulpits and we can't see him and we can hardly, when, he, when, when the preaching comes out, we can hardly identify truth and error. That's a scheme. Now, tonight I want to show you from the Word of God I want to show you the four, that four main authors and contributors to the New Testament Scripture all before they left the scene of time majored on this major prophecy. The Lord Jesus Christ, Paul, John the Apostle, and Peter. All in their final words. And I said last Sunday night, the dying words of a man are held accountable in the law of our land. A dying man, when he's making their statements, my friend, there's something has to be truthful about it when the fear of death comes upon a man. For God has placed eternity in our heart. And we might fool and caper about now. But listen, when you come to die and you go out to face God, there'll have to be truth in the inward parts. You can't listen to the fake liars then. You'll have to look and you'll have to listen to, to what, 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 God, what God says. So we're at Matthew 24 and verses 3, 4, and 5. These are among the last words for after this he goes to the cross. It says in verse 34, to verse 3, And as he sat, the Lord Jesus, upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the signs of the coming and of the end of the world, or the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Now watch this, Take heed, beware, that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Drop your eyes to verse 11. And many. Now watch the word many. You have it in verse 5. You have it again in verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Down to verse 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall so show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, and it is possible, and it has and is possible tonight, they shall deceive the very elect. Now turn over please before we come to Peter to Acts chapter 20 and these are amongst the Apostle Paul's words, and not only before he dies, but after he dies, what's going to happen. Acts chapter 20, take your time. If you haven't a Bible, just listen to the Word of God. Acts 20 and verse 26. Paul says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure, from the blood of all men. For I have shunned, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now here's the t beware again. Take heed. Take heed. Therefore unto yourselves, unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you oversight, overseers, to feed the church of God 
which he hath purchased with his own blood, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. That was among the last words to the church at Ephesus. And they didn't heed it because when we come to Revelation, the false teachers had got in and had lost their first love and had been turned away from the cross. Turn over to the epistles of John, to 1 John, just before Revelation, and then we'll come back to rest on the verses from Peter. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. This is John the Apostle. He's an old man. He's maybe 90 years of age and he's on the Isle of Patmos waiting to be martyred. And I tell you, when you hear men speaking their last words, a man like the Apostle John and Peter, as you're going to see now, and the Lord Jesus himself, when you hear these men take, say, take heed and beware, I'm warning you about the last times. We're not talking about earthquakes or famines now. We're talking about false teachers and false preachers. Beware with tears. And here John in chapter 4 says, the first, his pistol, verse 3, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not God. And this is that spirit, not the Antichrist. I was accused in the paper the other week of, a, of saying that the Antichrist, I didn't say that the Antichrist was here and was working. I said the spirit of Antichrist. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is all around us and upon us today in every area of society. He's preparing the scene. He's ready to step forward. I would not be one bit surprised if he wasn't over there in Glasgow. He see, he's the spirit of Antichrist working, preparing the way for him to come. And my Bible teaches me, and I preached it all my days, that once the church goes, he'll appear. He'll appear. He's a briefcase. Some are ready to lift tomorrow morning. Nobody knows who he is. But he'll reveal himself when the Lord's time allows him to reveal himself. Watch that verse again. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now in John's day was already in the world. Turn over a page or two to 1 John 2 and 18. The second epistle in the verse 8, the verse. 1 John 2 and verse 7. That's the second epistle of John and the verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world. 
who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which you have wrought for, but that we might receive a full, a full reward. We know that the Lord will bless this reading. If you turn then just back over to Second Peter, a couple of chapters over, to Second Peter, chapter 2, and open your Bible there, Second Peter, back from the Epistle of John, Second Peter, chapter 2, and the verse 1, and keep your Bible open, for we'll be referring and expounding a couple of these verses as we go along tonight. Verse 1 says, But there were false prophets also among the people. Even there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. We'll end the reading there, and as I say, keep your Bible open, please. These are Peter's final words. In the first chapter of this epistle, of Peter, the first epistle, he tells us that he's going to put off the old tabernacle. He says, shortly, I'm going to leave this old tabernacle, my soul's going to move out, and this old body of mine will go back to the dust. And Peter was crucified upside down, and he says, I'm, going to, I'm looking for the abundant entrance into the presence of God. Boys, if I knew, Peter knew how he was going to die. He knew he was going to be crucified. The Lord told him that his arms would be stretched out, and he'd be crucified. I'm glad I don't know how I'm going to die. Boys, if I, if I knew how I was going to, if I thought I was going to die like this, I don't think I'd be able to walk up the lane tonight. Peter knew. But yet he says there's going to be an abundant entrance into your presence. These men wanted out. These were the last words of these men. Now, you, you must get this into your heart tonight. Jesus, John, Peter, and Paul. The, among the last words that they spoke was to beware Beware. We're not hearing it. Beware. Now look, get your eyes on, on, on this verse 1 of chapter 2. But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you. Now what Peter's doing here is he's comparing the past with the future. And if you care to read the last verses of chapter 1 of Second Peter 1, Second Peter 2, the last verses, he's talking about the true prophets. He's talking about the holy men of God who were moved by the Spirit that wrote the Word of God. Verse 19, 20, and 21 of chapter 1. 
He's talking about Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and, and all the prophets. He's talking about these holy men of God. And then he comes in here and he says, but, but, but also, he says, also there will be false prophets among, as there were among them, there will be among you. You see, wherever you get the legitimate and the true, you'll get the false and the fake. Wherever you get the good, you'll get the evil. Wherever you get God, you'll get the devil. Wherever you get death, you'll get life. Wherever you get darkness, you'll get light. And on we could go. He says, there were among the people. And if you study your Old Testament, there's no end to those false prophets and teachers that were among the people. He says, they were among the people in the past, but they'll be among you in the last days. Moses had his Korah. Joshua had his Achan. Elisha had his Gehazi. Elijah had the prophets of Baal. David had his Absaloms. Jesus had his Judases. Paul had his Simon's of Simon Sorcerer. Peter had his Ananias and Sapphires. And on we could go. As long as there's a God, there'll be a devil until the devil's destroyed. And as we go through this scene of time, he's raging, he's mad, he's in the last days. He's doing everything he can to destroy the work of the gospel. He's doing everything he can to destroy the word and the truth. The devil is a liar and he's the father of lies. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, one devil within is worse than a thousand without. without." And when false prophets and false teachers get into the church of Jesus Christ, my friend, the, the spiritual temperature of many believers today is that they don't recognize them. The discernment is woefully low amongst God's people today. And that's very sad. And the reason for that is that many of God's people are not in the Word of God. They're not studying and, and, and praying over the Word of God. Now, when I'm talking about false prophets and false teachers, I'm not talking about the Jehovah Witnesses or the Hare Krishnas. I'm not talking about the Seventh-day Adventists. They're not among God's people. They'd be far too easy to spot them. Bad and all as are under on discernment is we would be able to spot them. We'll spot them because they'll tell you. They come to my door and they tell me. They tell me that they don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They tell me that they don't believe in the incarnation. They, they tell me that they don't believe in hell, literal hell, and redemption, and justification, and atonement. They'll tell you that. If you push them on those things, those myriads of false prophets that come around and are about today and outside, they will tell you those things. But these people that I'm talking about tonight will not tell you those things. The first thing Peter is doing is comparing the past with the future. Now, the second thing he's doing here, he's warning him. Watch the verse again. For there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. See that word privily? That's a very interesting word. It means secretly slip in. In fact, one rendering of it is secretly slip in through the back door. It's used when a diplomat was expelled from a country and he came back in by the back door into the country 
and people didn't know that he was in. It means unawares. And another rendering of it, as a serpent slithers in, or worms his way in. And let me tell you, these men and these women can worm their way into fundamental fellowships of God's people. And because of their massive deception and the way that they put the truth beside the air, they're not easy to identify them. I'm making a call tonight to take heed. The serpent, the analogy is of a serpent slithering in. What you need to do with the serpent is put your foot on him. You can't entertain a serpent. You can't entertain a serpent when he comes into your home. You don't feed him. You don't make a bed for him. What you have to do is put your foot on him and stamp him out. That's what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. He slithered in and deceived them. And let me tell you, deceived them before the fall. And if he deceived Adam and Eve, he'll deceive you and me. Slithered in. Worm their way. And they'll worm their way. They'll worm their way into the back seat. Not that anybody in the back seat I'm accusing tonight. They'll worm their way into the back seat. They'll worm their way into the prayer meeting. They'll worm their way into membership. They'll worm their way into the Sunday school. They'll worm their way into the deacon and into the elders and into the very pulpit. And it's happening. He may have a suit and tie. He may have a King James Version. He may be lovely and sympathetic and winsome with his words. He may quote the hymns, use all the right phrases, have all the cliches. He's filled the church because we're told here, Peter tells us here in verse 2, and many, and many, Jesus says, and many, many shall follow. My word tells me that Jesus says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Narrow is the way that leadeth on to life. Many, many, he'll deceive many. Friend, listen, beware of the charisma. Beware of the zeal, the enthusiasm, the lovely language. And unless men and women are spiritual men and women filled with the Holy Ghost, we will never be able to identify them. But I'm going to show you before I close tonight how you'll identify them. Once they slither in and get the congregation and get the people, oh, he's a lovely man. Our man's a lovely man. Our man's a lovely man. I says, why is that? Well, we had a, an oversight meeting the other night and he, he led it powerful well. I say, he need to do more than lead the oversight meeting. Oh, he's a lovely man. He's great with words. He, he has a degree and all. You know, he's, he's doctor. 
I'm not saying that there's not men with those that are godly men, good men, and they're not deceived. But there are deceivers. And he says here, he says that many sympathetic, winsome, great charisma, lovely to listen to, nice and softly spoken, no shouting like Bertie Johnson, no, oh, they'll, they'll never tackle this chapter here. Oh, not a bit of them. They'll not tackle this. But they worm the way in and eventually they'll wreck and they'll destroy. That's what the Word of God says. They'll destroy. They'll destroy. They'll bring destruction into assemblies, into denomination. Listen, my friend. Listen to what Jeremiah says about these boys in the latter times. And mainly Jeremiah wept over them too. Isn't it it ironic that nearly all these men in their closing statements, in their closing hours, in their closing messages, isn't it ironic? And Jesus, and oh, Jesus wept over Jerusalem just before this. That they were all broken and weeping because what was going to come into the church? Paul says, I tell you, weeping. Jeremiah says, Listen to what Jeremiah says. What God said to Jeremiah. He says, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I tell you that any man runs to get into a pulpit or into the Lord's work or runs to be a preacher, he's nothing short of a fool. Run away from it. A thousand times in 33 years I could have run away from it. He says that they ran. I have not spoken them, yet they have preached and prophesied. There's no thus saith the Lord. He didn't give them the word. My friend, I had to lie before God for hours for this word tonight. I have not spoken to them, yet they preach. And here's what he says, they prophesy lies in my name. With their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. Oh, the Lord showed me in a wee dream. You ever hear that? The Lord spoke to me, you know. Told me, man told the Lord spoke to me, and he told me to go to this church. And I went to the church and I told the man, the Lord just spoke to me, he's given me a word to go. Well, we have nobody, you come on at the minute. He racked the whole thing in about a year. We need a word from God. This is the problem with these men, and I'll show you now from these verses. We have to listen to what the word of God says. He says, but their heart, with the mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. Didn't, Didn't we read something like that there? Through covetousness. Their heart going after, they're lusting for money and mansions and cars and prestige and power. It's not the way the Nazarene went. Peter says, look at what he says in verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now a long time lingereth not. 
All they do is, all you have to do this night is to look at some of the mega churches in America. And alas, you don't have to go to America. And look at some of these mega churches. Many, oh many, thousands follow them. They make merchandise and covetousness. Benny Hinn, Copeland, Higgin, Mayer, with their ranches and their private jets. God loves you. God spoke to me this morning and gave me a word for you. You give me so much and God will give you so much more. That's not the gospel of the Nazarene. That's not the gospel of grace. Many shall follow their the lovely words and, and, and how they they can influence the people and many will follow them. Yes, and run after them too. But it's not so much that Peter's comparing, Peter's warning, but Peter's exposing. And we're only doing these three verses tonight. Peter's exposing. Here's what he says to do. Verse 1. Even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon them swift destruction, and before that, he says, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Now, what does the word heresy mean? I'm sure you often hear someone say, that's heresy. It mightn't be heresy at all. What does heresy mean? Well, this heresy is going to damn and destroy. That's what Peter says. It will bring swift destruction upon them, not with speed, but with sentence. See, there's three words couched in these verses. First of all, heresy. What does it mean? It means making our own choice. It's interpreting the Scripture in the way we want to see it. It's what my view is of this Context, this scripture text is what my view is, not God's view. This is the way I would like to see it, is what they are saying. It's what we call humanistic philosophy. Humanism. Myself, I can see this. This is heresy. It's putting error alongside truth. And what they say, what these people say, they come to a portion of Scripture and they say, well, that's too narrow. We need to enlarge on that. We need to tweak a bit at it. We need to cut a bit out of it. We need to get another translation. God bless us with more translations. We need to get another translation because that translation is too rough. It's too hard. Oh, you can't have that. You'll never get the people in preaching like that. So they twist the word of God and they turn the word of God. Then they put error alongside truth so deceptive that it's very difficult to see it. That's why there's so many translations. 
That's why, that's why there's so much error in the church today. Oh, you can't, you can't have that in the way that it is. You can't preach on a, a literal hell. You'll not get the nanny to follow and you'll not get the salary and you'll not get the church and you'll not get the months if you preach on a literal hell. Don't know you can't tell people that they're going to burn in hell if they're not saved. That's what the word says. No, no, we don't believe in a literal hell. This is hell here where you live and you go through troubles and trials and this is your hell and everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's not going to heaven. Except the man be born again. You cannot see. See. Never mind be in it. Oh, no, we don't believe in literal. We don't believe in the literal wrath of God. Don't be telling the people that God is all God. God is love. God is merciful. God is gracious. Ah, what do you hear now? There's worse to come. That's what we're hearing. You, you, you can't talk about judgment. Judgment? God is a God of love. No, don't be talking about judgment. No, no, we have to change this. We have to twist this about. Oh, no, no, we'll leave bits of it in, but we'll, we'll, we'll take bits of it out and we'll leave it that it'll be useless. That's the, deceptive, the deception of the devil. That's what the Lord Jesus, Paul and John and Peter is warning us about. That's why we're not hearing much on it. These other things are clear, you see. There's earthquakes happening every day. These things are clear because we're hearing them. We're seeing immorality, infidelity, sodomy. We're seeing it every day. But oh, here. This is, the, this, this is the devil's final target, the word on the cross. I'm going to show you now. In the, it's in these verses. Prophesy smooth things. Jeremiah came to the Lord and he said to the Lord and another kid, Lord, they're telling the people that all been well, that we're not going to be taken into Babylon. Lord, the, 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 the false prophets, the prophets are saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Everything's going to be well. We're not going into Babylon. Don't listen to what the Lord is saying. Just listen to what I'm saying. And, and Jeremiah preached and told them that, and they hit him and they smacked him in the mouth and they put him into a pit. We're not going into Babylon. What did God say to Jeremiah? He says, he says they're liars. I'm bringing the people into captivity and they're false prophets and don't listen to them. Heresy takes the word of God and changes it to suit themselves. Second word here is a fiend, fiend word. See that word fiend? Means smart, smooth, palatable. Lovely words, lovely man, lovely sermon. Don't know what we do without the word lovely. What was said about Judas? The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but there was war in his heart. His words were softer than oil, but he had a sword in his hand. Friend, remember Joab. Remember Joab and the Massa in the Old Testament Samuel Scriptures. You remember Job took, took, took Amasa by the hand and he shook him by the hand. He says, are you in health, my brother? 
Are you well? Could I ask you that tonight? Are you in spiritual health tonight? Are you well? Is it well with your soul? Hmm? If you were to die tonight, are you on your way to heaven? Are you carrying a burden tonight of sin that keeping you awake, tormenting you? Well, you know there's a Savior here tonight. He says, come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And you're going to see in a moment that he'll take your sins and your sorrows and he'll cast them into the sea of his forgetfulness. Are you well? Are you well, my brother? Are you well, Amasa? Oh, but Amasa didn't see that there was a sword. And with his other hand, he pulled out the sword. He caught him by the beard to kiss him. And he pulled the sword and he rammed the sword into the fifth rib. Feigned words. Heresy. And then there's another word here, pernicious ways. Verse 2, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Now the best translation of that is the word lasciviousness. That doesn't make much sense to you either. But lascivious means to be fired up with lust. Not only sexual lust, but lust for money, lust for crowds, lust for power, lust for popularity, for merchandise. Listen to what Jude, the wee epistle of Jude, all about false prophets. There's another one. The half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole chapter of Jude is about false teachers in the last days. Listen to what Jude says. He says they've turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. After money, after power, after popularity, after lust, after sin. They're destroying the grace of God. You see, friends, it's not by words that we judge them. It's by their works. It's by their fruits, by their lives, outside the church and outside the pulpit and in their homes where we all should be judged, not with the suit and tie and the shaking of the hands. Because mind you, we can be wolves and sheep's clothing at home. No other way about in the church. These people turned, now listen to Jude, listen to what's happened here. They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Into doing what they wanted to do themselves, into lusts, into greed. Gee, when you deny the doctrine of the fear of God and the judgment of God and the wrath of God and the hell and repentance... And when you deny all that, and you deny that you deny the grace of God. The grace of God. These people's conscience was were, 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 were marked with were seared with a hot iron. They, they turned the grace of God, the grace that God had poured. You know, the grace of God is a wonderful study. 
I was thinking of the prevenient grace that the old Puritans used to talk about the other day before we got saved, previous grace, before you got saved. God bless it if it wouldn't have been for the grace of God before I got saved, I'd be in hell tonight. Smashing cars and fighting and drinking, I'd be in hell long ago tonight, but for the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God that has been in your life and you're here tonight and you're not saved. And listen, the grace of God has been with you in that car accident. The grace of God was with you when you got the cancer. The grace of God was with your children. That previous grace that cometh from God, from above to every man. Oh, the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. These people here, they turn the grace of God. Now, how did they turn the grace of God? Well, I'll tell you. They say God is loving and God is merciful and God is gracious and we can almost do what we like. These people here, they could leave the pulpit and the Lord's table and the prayer meeting and go into an adulterous relationship that night. And I tell you, it's happening. It's happening. And they're saying, oh, the grace of God. Oh, the grace of God covers my sins and God's a loving God and he'll forgive me. They'll twist and they'll turn the farm accounts, the book and the income tax and all the rest of it and they'll not have a bit of conscience about it because their conscience are seared. And they're saying, oh, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. God is gracious. God is good. God is merciful. My friend, if you're th- and then we hear, oh, the blood covers it all. What sort of a day are we living in? When men and women can do these things that they're doing and leave the Lord's table and go into sin and do the things that they're doing and they don't seem to have any conscience about it. Jesus says, beware. Beware. Oh, the blood covers everything. So, my friend, the blood, the, the blood will cover your sins if you confess your sins. What we uncover, the blood will cover. And if you're not saved tonight and you repent of your sins, he'll cover you with the blood and ask him into your heart. He'll cover you with the blood. But you can't go on out tomorrow night and do the same thing as you were doing last night and the thing the night before and keep on doing it and doing it and coming back every night and saying, Lord, forgive me for your grace. That's not repentance. That's no better than the dear Catholics is going Saturday night to confession. Only thing you go every night. And you go on and you do the same thing every day. And you carry on the same way. And there's no holiness and there's no living life for God. That is why, because the word of God has been twisted and tortured to make it believe like that. You hear me tonight. Hear me tonight. Listen to what Paul says about the grace of God and I'm coming to a close. The grace of God that bringeth salvation to all men appears. Now here's what the grace of God does. Teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But these people have destroyed, they're destroying the grace of God. They're making it of no entity and they can use it for their own ends and for their own purpose. But, but as a close, listen, 
They deny the gospel of God. Watch it again. Verse 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who secretly slip in and bring in heresies that damn. They'll damn souls, they'll damn families, they'll damn churches, even denying the Lord that brought them. I wonder how Peter felt when he wrote that. Hmm? See, so, see, statements like this make me believe 100%, and I always have, in the infallible word of the living God. Men are not afraid to write. Although Peter never denied the blood, he never denied the cross, he never denied what these boys denied, but he failed Christ, and so we all fail him. But what does it say here? These people are denying the Lord that bought them. Listen, if you're in this meeting tonight and you're not saved, the Lord has bought you. And he has bought you with an awful price. He has redeemed you. Oh, you're not saved yet, but you're redeemed. I tell you, when he spread eagle on that cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for sinful men. And we have redemption through his blood, but you have to come and you have to receive it and you have to accept it. Don't you turn against and deny the Lord that bought you and done that mighty work at Calvary's cross and say, I'll not have this man to rule over me and I'll not get saved and I'll live whatever way you like. Well, my friend, you'll pay the consequences. You'll pay the consequences. No, no, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. What are these boys hitting at? What's our final target? Well, it's hit, it's here. It's in the verse. It's in it's in verse two. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil or blasphemed. Who is the way of truth? Now, here's their target. There's only one way of truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. They're hitting the way of truth. They're denying the grace of God and the gospel of God. They're attacking the gospel full on. They're attacking Christ here. And that's what the devil's doing. The way, the way of the gospel, the way of Christ, the way of truth, him, him, shall be evil spoken of. That word blaspheme, not blaspheming and cursing and swearing, but blaspheming in the fact that they twist and turn the word of God and they deny the word of God. They have it, but they don't preach it. Do you know you can have the word of God and you can deny it by not preaching it? Oh, forgive me if I'm shouting tonight. But how many men stand on our pulpit and they have the word of God and they know the word of God and they know the gospel inside out, but they deny it. 
by not preaching it. You can't be preaching that. You can't be preaching it with the blood. When I was in college, there was a, a boy there. I should have left that day, but I didn't stay much longer. There was a boy in it, and he said, See this hymn, Power in the, Washed in the Blood? How can you be washed in the blood? This was about lecture in college. What a talk was that to be putting in among students? The blood. The blood. That's what they're after. The way of truth. The way of truth is the way of the cross. The way of truth is the way of the Lord Jesus. The way of truth is redemption, substitution, atonement. The way of truth is the only way. There's no other way. And the devil in in the last days has every gun aimed at the cross and at the blood and at the gospel to destroy and deny the work of God. And he's making a great job of it. You just look around your province tonight and you look at the churches that used to stand for grace and God. You look at them. You look at them tonight, what they're at. If they can't get get a bit of singing going to get the people in, they'll get some other gimmick to get them in. We don't need gimmicks to get the people in. I have no gimmick to get you in here tonight. I'm preaching for nearly an hour, but you want the word of God. Oh, we have to have singers and we have to have testimony and we have to have this and that to cut down the time for the boy who has nothing to say. And then Sunday morning when he takes the announcements out and he takes all the palaver out, he has 15 or 20. What does he do all week? And you look around and you look at these churches tonight, my friend, and see so many of them that, that were mighty for God and seen revival. And I'm not going to name them tonight, but you have to look at them for yourself. And they're almost closed at the mission halls and the places around where they stood for the truth and they stood for the gospel and they stood for the blood and they stood for the, for, for, for the old truth. Look at them tonight. The old enemy has slipped in, boy, and silenced the truth. And they'll leave you with one scripture. And it's the scripture of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3. And I'm leaving you with this word tonight from my own heart. You know it's not easy when you stand for truth in these days. Tell us about it. And mind you, it's not from the outside that comes. It's from the outside of this fellowship. But it's not from outside the Christian circles that it come. It's within them. Listen to Paul in Philippians 3 in verse 18 and 19. He says, I told you often. And I now tell you even weeping. Old apostle. If his eyesight were bad and he was battered and bruised up and down hammered. He said, I tell you, I tell you weeping. I've told you often and I now tell you even weeping that these are enemies of the cross work of Christ. Beware, he says, in the last days because they're enemies of the cross work 
of Christ. Not the cross. Not a cross hanging around your neck. The cross work. That redemptive, atoning, justifying, mighty work of the cross. That where our Lord Jesus hung naked between heaven and earth, crowned with thorns, battered down into his lovely brow, his back like a ploughed field. Do you think it was for fun? Do you, do you think that we, we should not stand for him? Do you think that we should not declare the gospel in all its clarity and all its power? He says, I tell you, weeping, they're enemies. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in, listen, is in the shame. We sing, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. I hope that's the case every time you sing it. And then you'll not be ashamed of him at work in the morning. You'll not be ashamed when you go home into an unsaved house. Whose glory is in the shame, who mind earthly things. That's where Alan was this morning. The earthly things. Like the car with the handbrake on, and we're trying to drive it. Pulled back by the world. Pulled back by pride. Pulled back by what people think or say. Oh, let the handbrake off tonight, will you? And go after Jesus and defend him and stand for him. And preach the word. Matthew 24, we read, and I'm finished. We read that Jesus came out of the temple and he brought his disciples with him. And he went on to the Mount of Olives and he sat down and they looked round and they said to the disciples, oh, look at the lovely temple, Herod's big temple. Isn't it lovely? And you can look at your churches and you can look at your denominations and you can look at them and you, oh, we have a great denomination, we have a great church, we have a great... You can look at them all. But the Lord's eye wasn't on denominations and the Lord's eye wasn't on churches. Because he had just told them, he says, in a few years' time, Titus, the Roman governor, is going to come down and he's going to lay this city flat and he's going to destroy this temple that these boys are glorifying in. And he says it'll not be one stone left and another because they had the gold buried underneath it and they went for the gold. And Jesus says this whole thing is going to collapse and he walked out of it and he took his disciples with him. He says there's a new day coming. There's a new and living way opened up for us. And he says on the, on the cross when, his, when, he, when, when he died and cried that it's finished, the veil was rent in two and a new and living way was opened up for them. The temple was finished. The old sacrifice was over. It's all done. It's all gone. Step out, he says. Step out. Come on. He brought the disciples with him. Listen, some of you would need to steep. step out of these old apostate churches that you're in and take your family with you. 
because they're going to be destroyed. Get down to the feet of Jesus as these men were on the Mount of Olives and start talking to him. Come on out from them. Have a form of godliness. And if you're in a church tonight and you're listening to me tonight, wherever you are, oh, this is hard preaching. Well, it can be. I'm not a bit concerned. All I'm concerned about when I go up the lane is I've honored God. That's all. Listen. You have to give an account on the day of judgment. You have to give an account. You listen to that man. You listen to his word. You listen to his teaching. You listen to his preaching. Jesus says it. Peter says it. John says it. Paul says it. I'm saying it tonight on the authority of the word of God. You watch. Remember. Take heed. Take heed. Beware. Beware. False teachers in these days you come in amongst them and there'll be many and they'll be among you and you'll not know. May God help us to listen to every message we hear. May God help us to pray over our churches and our fellowships and pray for your pastor and pray for your minister if he's standing for truth and thank God for the many good men that there is across our land. Pray for them. What did these boys do and I'm preacher shouldn't say he's finished when he's up, but I am finished. They destroyed the grace of God, they denied the gospel of God, and they despised the goodness of God, for the goodness of God leadeth to repentance, and there's no repentance there. And if you're going to be saved tonight, you're going to have to repent. And you've been very patient with me. I have some booklets here tonight, and I'll be at the door. Someone taken, took them last week. Let them in, just, you can read this and Ask the Lord into your heart and he'll save you if you mean it. There has to be repentance. You have to turn from your sin. You have to be done with your sin. You have to say, Lord, I want a new life. I want a new heart. I want these old things to pass. I'm tired and sick. That's what happened to me in the last day of May in 1974, miles to the other side of Enniskillen, standing on that farmyard five minutes or ten minutes after 11 o'clock in the morning. Lord, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of this. Smashing cars and drinking and gambling. And I'm tired of it all, Lord. And I didn't know how to pray, and I never heard anything about being saved or what words to say. I didn't know what to do. I just said, Lord, will you do something for me? Do something for this life. If there's something better in life, I think the words I said, if there's something better in life, Lord, than this, I want it. And you can have it tonight. It's over 50 years ago. You can have it tonight. He'll change your life and he'll make life worth living, death worth dying, and eternity worth looking forward to. Let us pray, please. Oh, God. Father, we pray tonight that you'll take away anything that has been of ourselves, anything that has been hurtful or offensive to others that we didn't mean. 
But, O oh Lord, you know our hearts and you know where we are and you know the day we're in and you know the crises are and you know, Lord, that it's an hour when we need truth. Lord, we thank you for the Apostle Peter. We thank you, Father, for how you showed him these things and how he wrote them and gives them to us. And Lord, as we go down this chapter, it's a fearful chapter. It's fearful. He even identifies that mankind as brute beasts. Oh God. What sort of a day, Lord, are we living in? And yet, Lord, you have us here for this hour. You have us, Lord, in our families for this hour. You have us in our churches for this hour. And Lord, we'd rather have been living in some other area or up the church. But we're not. Lord, we pray that you'll save souls tonight. And if this message goes out across, Lord, we don't care what men hammer us or what they say to us. All we want, Lord, is you to work. Oh, God. Speak tonight, move tonight, save tonight, restore tonight. For Jesus' sake, amen.